And we're going to talk about that this morning, how beautiful the feet who bring the good news. You know, I, I was diving into 3 John this week, and uh, I was very surprised, and uh, I don't know if I should say this as a preacher, but I was actually surprised to see how 3 John speaks about missions, about how 3 John deals with this issue of how beautiful the feet that bring the good news to those who have never heard. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, let's turn to 3 John, and that's where our scripture reading will be coming from. This is what we read. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. As indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephus who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. And from the truth itself, we also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, 3 John, like 2 John, is a very short letter, but there are some differences between the two. 2 John is written to a church, whereas 3 John is written to an individual. You know, 2 John warns the church about supporting false teachers with their hospitality, whereas 3 John encourages Christians to show hospitality to traveling missionaries. And it's th- this encouragement and even command to support missionaries that I want to look at this morning. And in this short letter, in just a few verses, John gives us three reasons why we should support missionaries. First, he says in verse 7, that they have gone out for the sake of the name. Second, he says in verse 7, that they accept nothing from the Gentiles. And then third, he says in verse 8, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So let's look at the first reason together. John says in verse 7 that they have gone out for the sake of the name. Now, in one sense, every Christian has gone out for the sake of the name, right? I hope that as you go out today and you go to work and you go home and you go to the grocery store, wherever you go out to, that you go out for the sake of Jesus. In other words, that you represent Jesus wherever you go. And so in one sense, every Christian goes out for the sake of the name. However, in verse 7... John is not talking about all Christians, but certain Christians 
that are doing certain types of work. So who are these Christians and what type of work are they doing? Most likely, these Christians were sent by John, who had the gift of preaching, teaching, and sharing the gospel. And this is how the gospel spread in the first century, and this is how the gospel spreads even today. You have Christians who are willing to uproot their lives and move to a place to engage a people that are uh, unreached by the gospel. There's no gospel witness there. They haven't heard the gospel or maybe they're underserved by the gospel. And so you have Christians who uproot their lives, transplant their lives to a place where people haven't heard the gospel and they seek to share the gospel with those in that area. Now, it's true that every Christian should be doing that where they are, right? We all should be sharing the gospel, building up the church. But this specific type of Christian and this specific type of vocation where you uproot your life, move to a people group that doesn't have access to the gospel or they're underserved by the gospel and you seek to share the gospel, that's what I'm talking about today when I talk about the word missionary. And so in one sense, we're all missionaries to some degree, but John is talking about a specific type of Christian, a Christian that would uproot their lives, go to a place where people have not heard the gospel and take the gospel to them. So in this sermon, when I say missionary, that's what I'm talking about. Notice also that those who have gone out for the sake of, name, of the name have been sent by a reputable source. I mean, they've been sent by the writer, the elder, who I believe is the Apostle John. You know, in the letter of 2 John that we looked at last week, we read that we need to be careful as Christians that we don't support those whose teaching uh, differs from the teachings of Christ. You know, when we show hospitality or resource those who are teaching and preaching the gospel, we want to make sure that we're doing so toward those who are in line with the teachings of Christ. So when we think about resourcing and supporting missionaries, even today, we need to make sure their teaching aligns with the teachings of Christ. And so this would make sense then if you had some type of missionary agency that sends out missionaries that they would have some type of application process, right? Some type of filtering process to make sure those that they are sending out actually align with the teachings of Christ. And this is exactly what you find. Um, All mission agencies that I'm aware of, and I'm sure there are some that would be exceptions to this, but all the ones that I'm aware of are selective in the people they send out. You know, the missionary candidates must meet meet certain criteria. They must meet certain criteria, and that includes theological criteria if they are to be sent out. You know, the International Mission Board, which is the uh, missionary sending agency of the Southern Baptist Convention, has a thorough application process uh, that potential missionaries must go through. And so not all of that go through it will be sent out, but they have to go through this process. You know, when I joined staff with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, full-time, I had to walk through a thorough application process. Uh, Not anyone can just join, you know, that missionary agency. And so John uh, is telling us that, you know, he's sending out these these missionaries, these messengers, and, and Gaius is to receive them, support them. And so even today, we must be discerning in our support of missionaries. This is what 2 John taught us, is that we must be discerning in our support of missionaries. But 3 John tells us we should support missionaries. Be discerning 
But we should support missionaries. So John is telling us that the first reason we should support these missionaries is that they have gone out for the sake of the name. You know, their work is worthy of support. The second reason John says that we should support missionaries is found in verse 7, which is that they accept nothing from the Gentiles. You know, those who have not heard the gospel, non-Christians, okay? So in the first century, just like today, uh, you had people that would travel from city to city, uh, lecturing, teaching, preaching, and oftentimes they would charge a speaking fee, right? And that happens even today. You have people traveling around, giving speeches, charging for that, for example. Uh, if you want to have uh, Malcolm Gladwell come and speak to your group, it'll cost you $80,000. Uh, before becoming president, if you wanted President Trump to come speak to your group, it would cost you $1.5 million. And that's not necessarily wrong. I mean, you're paying them to come share their expertise, whatever that expertise may be. However, when it comes to sharing the gospel with people who have never heard the gospel, the practice of the early church was to not charge the hearers anything. Which makes sense if you think about it, because one of the major truths you're trying to communicate to people who have never heard the gospel and frankly, even those who have heard the gospel, is that you are saved by grace. Right? Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And so there's this idea that I want to share the gospel with people and I want to make sure they understand that this is a free gift. Listen to uh, what Jesus did in Matthew 10. He sent out His disciples, Matthew 10, 8. And he tells them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. In other words, don't charge people to hear the gospel. Then the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9, 18 and tells them, What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. And so what we see is that the early practice of the church seemed to be that when you go to an unreached people, people that have not heard the gospel, and you want to share the gospel with them, you want to make sure that you're giving them the gospel free of charge. You know, you're not charging a speaking fee, so to speak. And this makes complete sense, because like I said, we're trying to communicate that you are saved by grace. In that passage I quoted earlier, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So how many of you charge your children or your friends for gifts? <laughs> probably none of you. If you do, they probably don't like receiving your gifts. <laughs> But you, you don't charge for the gifts you give because if you do, it would no longer be a gift. And so the only way for you and me to be in right relationship with God is for us to receive the gift of salvation through Christ by faith. And the reason it's a gift is because Jesus paid for it. He paid for it on the cross 
And through His resurrection, He defeated sin and death. And so we are saved by grace, through faith in Christ, not a result of our works, so that no one may boast. In other words, there's nothing you can do to earn it, to pay for it. Christ did it all. He did all that was necessary for you and for me to be in a right relationship with God. And we receive that through faith, through trusting in His payment and what He's accomplished for us. And this is why the missionaries that were sent by John accepted nothing from the Gentiles. You know, they wanted to offer the gospel freely. and They didn't want to confuse this idea of grace. They wanted to offer the gospel freely. And so for these traveling missionaries, their support came primarily from people that were already Christians. And so the second reason why we should, why we should support missionaries is so that they don't have to depend on who they're trying to reach for their livelihood. They can then focus on giving out the gospel freely. The third reason why John says we should support missionaries is stated in verse 8. He says that we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So you see the shift here. John moves from encouraging missionary support to saying that it's something that we ought to do. Now the verb ought is... uh, to owe, uh, to have an obligation to. And so supporting missionaries, I think, is something every Christian, and I think according to this verse, every Christian should be involved in to some degree. I mean, we should all be not only invested locally, but also globally. <clears throat> and so Third John, specifically, was written to a man named Gaius, And Gaius was already supporting missionaries. And we see it in verses 5 and 6 when John says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for uh, for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. So, you know, supporting the expansion of the gospel's reach beyond his local church is something Gaius was already doing. And John wanted to encourage him to continue with his support. And notice that the missionaries that Gaius was supporting were strangers. I mean, he didn't know. But because of their shared faith in Christ, he shared his resources with them in order to increase the reach of the gospel message. You know, as a church today, as the Hill Baptist Church, you know, we partner with churches uh, around the country in a mission strategy known as the Cooperative Program. And as a church, we give a percentage of our of the money that you give each year to the, our church, we give a percentage of that to the cooperative program. And when we give to the cooperative program, we fund several different ministries around the country and around the world. And one of those ministries is called the International Mission Board. Some of you may have heard about this uh, mission agency. The International Mission Board, or the IMB for short. And almost 40% of the IMB's budget comes from the cooperative program. And most of the remaining amount of the IMB's budget comes from the Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, that we participate in each year. And so through our cooperation with thousands of churches around the country, uh, we're able to support 3,585 missionaries that have been sent out through the International Mission Board 
uh, all over the world. Now, my guess is that most of those missionaries are strangers to you. <laughs> you know, we have not met all those missionaries, even though we've met a few. But we have not met them all. Uh, but that was the case even in the first century. I mean, Gaius, they were strangers to him. But he used what he had to support them. And this is exactly what we're trying to do today. We don't have to personally know every single missionary to be involved with supporting them to take the gospel to the world. And because of our shared faith in Christ, we have this opportunity to share our resources uh, so that the gospel's reach may be extended. Now, you may be wondering why I entitled this sermon, uh, Holding the Rope. Well, in missions, you, you have those who take the gospel to a new location, and you have those who send them out. So you have the Christian that goes, and then you have the Christians that send. So you have the goers, and you have the senders. Well, the well-known lifelong missionary to India, William Carey, you know, likened his ministry to India, his missionary journey to India, as uh, going into a, a, a mine, penetrating a deep mine that has never been explored before. And you don't, he doesn't have any guide to show him the way. It's a new mine. He's never been in it. No one's ever been in it. So he's going to go down and explore this mine. But before he goes into the mine, this mine being India, in 1793, he says to his friends, Andrew Fuller and John Ryland and some other friends of his, he says, I will go down if you will hold the rope. I will go down if you will hold the rope. And John Ryland reports that he took an oath from each of us at the mouth of the pit to this effect, that while we lived, we should never let go of the rope. See, William Carey was the missionary. Fuller and Ryland were the rope holders. And in 3 John, Gaius was a rope holder for many missionaries. And notice that John says that when we support missionaries, we become fellow workers for the truth. Now here's the current reality. Less than 1% of evangelical Christians will become missionaries or full-time Christian workers. Less than 1%. So what that means is that most of us will be rope holders. Right? Most of us will be rope holders. Most of us will be Gaiuses. Uh, but some of us will be those Demetriuses that we read about even in this letter. Demetrius is mentioned in verse 12 and was most likely a type of missionary or messenger sent from John. And John wanted Gaius to share his resources with Demetrius as well. And so some of us will be rope holders. Some of us will be missionaries. But the roles of both are very important. And they both must be fulfilled if the mission is going to be fulfilled. Does that make sense? I mean, just think about if you're going down into a mine, somebody has to hold the rope. If they don't, it's not going to look so good for you. Right? But somebody has to go down into the mine. And so you need both. And that's the same way it is in the mission endeavor that Jesus has given us in the Great Commission. So you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, Ron, I just don't know about, I don't know if I can uproot my life and go to a different country. And for many of you, that probably is not going to happen. For some of you, it may happen. That may be what God is leading you to do. 
Um, but there are ways for you to be involved in the global work of the gospel without having a passport. How many of you have a passport? Okay. This is my passport, and it needs to be renewed. It hasn't been renewed in a while. But, uh, but here's the thing with passports. A passport is like a travel document that shows the country you're traveling to, that you're a citizen of your country, etc. And uh, when I traveled to Argentina several years ago on a mission trip, I had to go through you know, customs, immigration, they show them their passport, and then they stamp it to kind of keep track of, your, of, your, of your, where you've been and whatnot. And so, you know, the, the interesting thing is if you keep renewing your passport, I have a little stamp here from Argentina. Uh, if you keep renewing your original passport, and, you know, you get all these stamps from the different countries that you visit. And so that's be kind of neat to track all of that. Um, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your prayer list and your checkbook as your passport. Because even though you can't go overseas, your prayers can go and your money can go. Okay, so think about your prayer list and your checkbook as your passport. Now, if your prayer list and your checkbook received a stamp for every missionary effort that you've supported, how many stamps would you have on your checkbook, on your prayer list? I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty, but what I am trying to do is encourage you to hopefully even get you to look forward to, you know what, I want to be involved more around the world in what God is doing. I may not be able to go, but I can pray for those who go. I can pray for the people they're going to. I can resource them with the, the resources I have. And I'm hoping that you can... Uh, make a move even today to be more involved in the global work of the gospel, even though you may not have a literal passport. So what should your next step be? I'm going to give you a few that you can kind of figure out where you are and you can choose from. Well, first, I want to encourage you to continue to support the Hill Baptist Church. Because like I said, a a percentage of our uh, yearly gifts that you give goes toward funding the cooperative program. Also, obviously, it goes to fund the gospel's reach here in Augusta. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, but also, second, I want to encourage you to consider even now and prayerfully consider what you're going to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Because 100% of the money you give to that missionary offering goes to missions. We don't keep any of that here. We, get, we, we send it all away. And so begin to even pray now and think about uh, what you will give to that. You can start saving now for that, putting some away. And think about what you want to do uh, for that offering. And third, you know, did you know that we have uh, three missionary families in our church? Our small church. Uh, so I encourage you to, to think about how you can encourage and support them. You know, we have Clay Bagby, who works for Young Life. We have Jonathan Buford, who works with Crew. And we have another couple that some of you may know uh, that is serving in Africa. And there are ways that you can link arms with them prayerfully and financially uh, to help them extend the gospel to the people group they're trying to reach. And so I want to encourage you just to consider what you have and how you can be involved. I know you all are involved locally. I want to continue to encourage that. But we also need to be involved globally. 
You know, when you read this passage about Gaius, most likely Gaius was not a rich man. Uh, Gaius's name, that name Gaius, was one of the most common names in that time. One of the most generic names of the day. So he probably wasn't a very rich man. But he used what he had to support the work of the gospel, both locally through his church and beyond. And so I want to just encourage you, let's follow his example and let's hold the rope. Let's use what we have to support the work of God, both locally and globally. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this short letter that is jam-packed with a great challenge. And that is that you're at work all over the world. And that as Christians, the body of Christ is beautiful. Because it's not only local, but it's universal. Your people reach all around the world. And because we can pray to an omnipotent, omnipresent God, you hear our prayers and you can work out our prayers around the world. You could take our resources and you can use these resources that we give here in Augusta, Georgia to impact the lives of people all around the world. What a joy it is to be a fellow worker in the gospel with those who have been sent out for the name. God, I pray for each person here that we would consider how we are involved, uh, not only locally, but globally. And that you would put it on our hearts and minds, how we can come alongside, especially those who are part of our local church family that are going out trying to reach people for Christ but also strangers that we don't even know. Lord, help us to leverage our prayer life as well as the resources you've entrusted to us uh, to the work of the gospel, both locally and globally. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.